Hey guys, Austin Nasso here and welcome back to Working Comic Podcast, episode 13. Sorry about the delay in the post. I tried really hard to post last week, but I got so carried away. My girlfriend came into town and I was just very busy. But um, this is a really good episode. I interview Sarah Martin from the Boston comedy scene and we talk about joke editing. So the entire process from ideation to bringing your bit on stage to open mics and we talk about the development life cycle of that joke and which bits you take to shows and just everything relating to developing a bit and choosing how to allocate your precious open mic time. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. So hey guys, (laughs) welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I'm here with Sarah Martin who she opened for Bill Burr and just did the Women in Comedy Festival, sponsored by HBO and Showtime. You may have heard her on Sirius XM, and she plays in basements and attics everywhere. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for doing this. Hi. Thanks for having me. So how... Yeah. That's, I think that's so cool. You opened for Bill Burr. How did... How did you accidentally open for Bill Burr? It's, you, wrote, you accidentally <laughs> wrote for him, or opened for him. Yeah, well, it's I was uh, I was working at Dick Doherty's Beantown Comedy Vault when it was still in the Boston Common, and it was one of those clubs where it was seven nights a week, and you could really just branch out there. I kind of grew a lot there as a comic. He came in um, to the city. He was at the Wilbur, which is like the biggest you can do pretty much there and um, just popped in while I was doing the weekend show at Dick Doherty's I was on stage I saw him out the corner of my eye and I was like wait a minute is that Bill Burr like I I had literally just gotten to see him the week before in New Hampshire and wow paid to go see him and then I was like holy crap that's actually him um, so I you know finished up my set and he hung out afterwards and was wicked cool. Like, but I was just blown away that he had just popped in and I, you know, put up on Twitter like I can die now, pretty much. <laughs> and wow. he, of course, made it sound a lot cooler because um, he was like, "Nice working with you," you know. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that sounds awesome." That's so cool. Wow. Uh, I remember my first, like, I think maybe the third time I ever did stand up. Uh, Jim Gaffigan ended up going before me and it was <laughs> actually disastrous for me. Uh, it was like Gotham Comedy Jim Co- Gaffigan, yeah. Yeah, and it was like the third time I ever did it in front of a big crowd. And it was, because um, it was, it, it's like, it was fake because it was like one of those bringer shows in New York. And I didn't know it was a bringer at the time. I thought, I'm like, oh, I could just do these cool shows. But it's like, yeah, because I brought like all my friends. Uh, but yeah, it, that was that was crazy. But I imagine you, well, yours sounds cooler. You weren't doing like a lame bringer show. You're actually like justified being on stage. So. Well, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a huge theater show, but it's one of my favorite clubs still. But it was like a seventy. It it held seventy two people. So those seventy two people, like your friends, then got to see. Jim Gaffigan too so it's like 
<laughs> every comedy show it's like so is jim gonna open up for you now i know right like <laughs> that's like the peak my friend saw me at the peak of my career when i first started uh so okay i really you wrote an article on and you were posting it on i, I guess a bunch of different comedy groups on facebook uh that i th i thought it was super valuable just about uh, the joke editing process. You titled titled it something like this one simple hack will just like boost your stand-up comedy career, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it just, you know, had to have some sort of catchy title. I just, I was talking to my friend Jess Miller um, just about the different process that she goes through too because she was yelling at me about not, not recording my sets all the time and it's just it is such an invaluable tool but it's like what do you because what do you look for in in that a lot of people record and then never listen or just listen back and it's like oh no that wasn't the set for me or something <laughs> never never get anything out of it so i was like so what do you specifically look for and i just thought it was something that needed to be shared yeah, that's great. I mean, so that, that was kind of like the key takeaway to like record your set and actually learn from it and don't just like groan and get nothing out of it. When, when did you start uh, first recording your sets? I started recording oh, pretty close to the time I started comedy, um, but it, it wasn't as easy 10 years ago to just do that from your phone. Um, you had to like actually I finally paid for some sort of app then the quality just was not the same as it is now but I don't think I started actually recording every single time until a couple of years ago and then actually listening back more recently after after having so many discussions about it but it's just I would love to find an old old recording too and figure out what was going on there oh yeah do you um, record audio and video or just audio? I try to record video now whenever possible. Uh, sometimes, you know, I run out of space on my phone or something gets in the way or whatever. But I, you know, whenever I do both the audio and video or, you know, one if not the other. That's cool. So kind of walk me through what you look for when you're playing back uh, and like maybe let's divide it in terms of audio and video like what specific things are you looking for and how do you grow from them sure um, I mean with audio is probably the one I'll use the most because it's just easier to set up uh, you just hit record and have it kind of nearby but I, when I listen back I try and listen back as soon as possible on the ride home and I'm just listening for when you know how often the laughs are coming in but also am I speaking clearly enough could I have added something else in because in those moments of silence too especially when you're working out those new bits that you're like ah I know there's something here I know there is but you're just not quite sure yet like yeah. for me I have to go I have to go speak it out before it's written down because it's just going to come off robotic or I'm going to forget what I really want to say. So I have to yeah. record what's coming out of my mouth. 
That that's so true. I notice like for me before I go up on stage, uh, I'll oftentimes have to listen to an old recording just to know how I said it. Cause there's certain things that sometimes you'll just miss, uh, like that you've improvised on stage. And that's sometimes the best content I notice, at least for me, like some of the funniest things definitely, are more spontaneous definitely. cause they're real. That's like what, that's like you truly being funny in your element. That's when it comes out. Right. When you're, when you have that comfortability level on stage and you, you listen back and all that, I did say that different this time. How did how did that work? Um, that those are some of the most fun bits too, that turn into just these longer, longer bits with more and more punchlines after after listening back to those recordings and be like, oh my god, that was really, really funny actually. Yeah, exactly. Did <laughs> this happen again? Yeah. Something that I started doing recently was I have a Google Sheets, which is like an Excel spreadsheet and I'll just uh I'll record my set and then I'll type it up after and then like label where it gets laughs and where it falls flat and then I'll have iterations of each bit and then go see the differences and see what I added and what tags I want to use and then I'll have all the tags in like one spot and then I can kind of choose so I, I found that kind of helpful but it's kind of tedious well yeah that's super <laughs> super organized it's um, hard to motivate so myself like, were you after a straight a student in school <laughs> uh like more or less <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no i i feel like i i don't know if i could do that i would like to try and sit out i actually what i did one time was um when i was editing a video i was trying to put subtitles onto it and that's when i realized the amount of unnecessary like butts and ums and uhs and stuff I had and things. So I I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize all of that stuff. Oh, but as yeah. far as tags go and having those organized into a spreadsheet, I can't imagine how helpful that would be to just bring up a note then and say, Here here's where we're gonna go with it. Uh sometimes I'll just listen back to a set before doing a show too and be like, I know I added in something different or I forgot one thing, so let me listen in. And I'm like, oh, right, come on, Sarah. That's, that's the tag for it, too. So it just kind of adds on from there, but just to psych myself up sometimes, too. What, okay, this is interesting. So what if there, there was an app that could help you with stand-up comedy? Like in a perfect world, there's like some sort of app that you could use. What would it do uh, beyond just recording? Like what would be the perfect thing in your mind? Um, it's kind of out it there. It would question. actually be a person that would come to all my shows. No, um, <laughs> I think I think there actually is an app. I could have sworn I saw somebody using an app recently where it actually organizes all of your at least set lists into one thing. Really? Yeah, I wish I could come up with the name of it, but I cannot think of it for the life of me. So that would be that would be a lot app. easier to to figure it out. That's cool. Because I, I, I also do some coding, and I was thinking about what would be like the perfect app. No, just every standup would use and make like their right, life I mean, easier. Have a recorder in it. Have a 
a show schedule, um, probably, and then, you know, your set list, possible tags, I mean, have the separation, at least, of jokes that you're, that are really new you're working on, and jokes that you just want to add on to. That would be so cool. It has, like, statistics about, like, what about, like, this is what I was thinking. It would record your voice, and it would also like create the text so it'd be voice to text and you can then at the end when you save it you can split it up by joke into different like little folders and then it can like you can then you could see like which bit you have and then see the iterations of it over time and then you could track the changes from the text because it'll do voice to text and then you could see what you changed and then it'll also like uh you can probably just with the audio like see where the levels go up and then where the levels go up it's like a laugh and then you could probably tell yeah, like, yeah, how, mu- how much laughter per second each one has and then it'll tell you this one did the best and then you can kind of look at it i don't know something like that <laughs> come up with a pie chart of like here's why this mic is the most painful i know <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah to track our trauma with mics also yeah <laughs> That's so, that's interesting. So, okay. And then you said you also record sometimes with video. Uh, so when you do that, what do you kind of look for in video when you want to improve? Uh, in video, so I was, I was doing this thing for a little while where I would play guitar for like a two minute bit. And okay. <laughs> uh, it, right. I was like, I'm not, not like a musical comedian it takes a lot to do that really well um but there was a point in time where i was like oh well i think it only takes two seconds to go and grab that you know i didn't want it on the stage the whole time and be like oh well she's gonna go play guitar for 30 minutes like no i'm not but um i I didn't want that being a distracting thing but it it ended up taking like a minute to pull the guitar out and like be away from the microphone and then I'm like, this is this is time that I'm just wasting, absolutely wasting, that I could be doing something else on stage too. And I, I, I know when people take photos and whatnot at shows, there'll be some funny still frames of different facial expressions. But to really try and draw some of that out too, of like what exactly am I doing with all of my body language when I'm looking at the videotape? Like, could I, could I be more extreme? Does this have to be as extreme? Stuff like that. That's cool. So one major takeaway is you can use video to optimize your guitar, like acquiring speed (laughs) on stage. Or just say, never mind. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) So for everyone out there that wants to maximize guitar time, you can, Look for the little, like, places where it could be more slightly more efficient where you take out your guitar. Um, no, but th- that that's true. It's so interesting because uh, body language is, you know, it's ninety percent of communication is nonverbal. So it's interesting to see that so much of your stand-up set is just not necessarily the material, like so much the effectiveness of it at least. So it, right, it, it's really interesting right. to think about that. Because it really makes you I mean, think about communication I, as a whole. Yeah, when I when I first started, I don't think 
I don't think I was having a, as much fun as I do now necessarily just because I was probably so nervous that I wanted to remember everything or just overly worried about stuff. So I didn't smile a lot. And I, I have like, I'm kind of like covered in tattoos and stuff. So for some people that could come across as a, I don't know whether this girl's going to punch me in the face or say jokes right now. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I realized that I was like, that's not me though. Like I, I'm not that. No, like I'm up here to have fun so it's it's good to see like if you watch a mute or something like what would be your instant thought if you saw that person if you remove it from yourself you know that's so interesting just like the snap judgment because people make an impression so fast right it's crazy oh for sure I think it's like you know if you're gonna trust someone like instance after seeing them or meeting them like you, you can tell if they're trustworthy just by their how they communicate. And so I guess right, you, you kind of want to win the audience's trust. What was that? Yes, it, and also just body language as a whole. If it's like if you're hearing them back, like obviously we don't want the audience screaming out different stuff, but like uh, there's definitely a change in body language when you watch different. Um, headliners too of how they're communicating back with the audience because it definitely seems more open and whatnot than if you watch someone who is, is maybe a lot a lot newer um, and just not not sure yet of what's going to come out exactly what the end result's going to be yeah what what are some common mistakes you might see uh, newer stand-up comedians doing on stage uh, I mean, to each his own. Um, I just, I, I think number one thing is committing to the bit. And even if you don't remember the end of it, if you don't exactly remember uh, every single word that needs to come out or whatever, that'll come out. I think committing to it and having a little bit of confidence in it and trying, trying your best to tell it as you, because I feel like no one, no one ever got into comedy because everyone's like, well, you're not funny at all. You should never try this. Um, That's so true. I, I think, yeah, I think just being trying your best to be yourself and have fun up there is is a mistake that some people make because it's so easy to get jaded, even even pretty quick, on why the hell we're doing this. Oh yeah. <laughs> That, that's very true you kind of forget like wait why am i coming here every night and spending four hours at this mic and doing that like i could also not do that but then you remember that right. you do have some psychological condition where you need attention or no or that you just enjoy being on stage <laughs> but whatever right and yeah. just enjoying making others laugh and like that's why anybody is doing exactly. it and then we're right we're we're crazy as the like let's let's just not even sleep or anything and go to all these mics to get this one bit down. This place will give me three minutes. This place will give me six minutes. <laughs> it is insane, but you know, it definitely balance out the rest of life a little bit too and make sure, make sure you're having fun. That's all. That's so true. I, I remember uh, a lot of what you said resonated. Like for me, when I first started, I would, I would write everything down. Like, every I would have paragraphs 
and I would just read it. And it's so, it was so mechanical and really uncomfortable to watch. It's really unnatural. Um, I also would talk way too fast, have way too many filler words. I still have too many filler words, which is something I'm working on, but not pausing. Uh, there's so many things that I would do that it's so painful to watch, but just look, <laughs> looking at the recording or listening to it, you notice those things and it's so much easier to get them out and eliminate them or fix them because you start to see them and then you cringe and the cringing makes you need to act on them. Right. Right. And changing it a bit. Um, I know sometimes when I go out to, to mics and stuff, it's like the, the same bit's going to be told almost the exact same wording. And it's like, if that's not getting the response that you want, think about how to change it. I, I don't know. I don't know where that thought process comes from sometimes where people are like, well, I'm just going to try it this exact same way 10 times and it'll eventually work. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes it it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. How, How do you know, for you, how do you know when to pivot? When are you like, okay, maybe, because there's either, there's usually either like two things uh, that, that people aren't, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people might not laugh, but the main ones I could think of are that it's just, okay, this is just so unrelatable that no one, the audience, this demographic of audience will not relate to this, even if you like explain it really well. And other times it's actually a funny idea, but you're not communicating it well. And there's not necessarily that much overhead in explaining it. So for you, when do you decide to move on and, okay, maybe I should just get a completely different tag or should I, maybe I'm not saying it right because you know it's funny. Yeah, there's some bits I'm still, I I don't want to give up on, but uh, the recording indicates otherwise. It's like maybe this is time to just throw away. Um, I have some bit about serial killers and, uh, they should be using cookie cutters, and it's just funny to me if you chop somebody up into eight thousand snowmen. It doesn't <laughs> fit anywhere in my set. <laughs> like, and who knows where that thought even came from? It just it doesn't flow, and it just seems very random and goofy. And maybe, maybe, maybe just needs to be used another time. I don't know, but it just doesn't make any sense. Do you do you ever have a time when you're like, all right? I'm done. I have to stop for my sanity. Like with this bit yeah, I mean, and just some, do a different one and just let it go. For sure. But I feel like that happens too, even with bits that you're pretty happy with and um, whatnot. Sometimes you get like, okay, um, like what else, what else can I say? I feel like I've told this a lot lately. Um, and that, I mean, that's the whole process of also just writing new stuff and putting that in. But I think, I, I just think it's always an expanding universe of jokes. And then there's some stuff that's like, I just wasn't, I haven't been ready to tell yet. I just found like a whole stack of old, old notebooks. And I was like, huh, I actually could maybe figure out a way to say this now as opposed to, 
years ago where I couldn't figure out how to say it yet. Maybe just couldn't explain it. Didn't fit in necessarily with 20 year old me as opposed to 30 year old me. Yeah. There's something about revisiting old material and trying it because it's just having more experience probably lets you communicate. You know how to communicate something funny to the audience faster. So, and chances are the idea is still funny to you, but now you might just know how to communicate it, which is cool. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. It makes me think, like, you know, when when do you retire? Like, what's the life cycle of a bit for you? Like, when do you – okay, I'm trying to turn this well, into a question. Well, you see, when bits are born. Yeah. <laughs> but, like – because they're, they're so it's so interesting it's so easy to just go to a mic and be like okay i guess i'll do this bit and like kind of have no reason why or maybe you're intentionally working on it or maybe you're trying to include it in a set but you know what's the the life cycle of like you have an idea you turn it into a bit it's fully formed and then you retire it and maybe never use it again or like you use it for certain things what do you have like a philosophy on that <laughs> Yeah, I guess on that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I don't think that anything necessarily, um, unless it's just the most ridiculously offensive, pure shock value joke, then just retire it, make it go away. But um, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, other than that, I think, you know, you have the idea, you work on it, you work on it more. You've been telling it a while, it's been working, and then you come up with something else to add on to it that you didn't even expect I don't think it's time to retire it necessarily like until I mean until it's out there probably on a different format um, it, I mean if it was a TV special or something then yeah it's time to retire I feel like I saw Cat Williams do the same special three times in a row in one year but um, I, don't, yeah. I don't know about retiring stuff for good you know so when do you decide that, you know, a bit is complete, you're happy with it, and it's time to work on other stuff? Uh, I guess when I'm I'm getting bored. Okay, that, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I guess something I'm trying to figure out is, especially with, like, the sparse time you might get in a mic, and I guess – shows are really the time to use your up and coming bits but you know how do you manage coming up with new material and also making sure you do due diligence to the bits you're working on and don't let them just fall behind right do you ever have yeah, that I struggle because it's like you only get so much stage time so how do you allocate that for you know, improving uh, sometimes, your yeah, sometimes try and just drop it in once it makes sense of like, oh, this is where this could go in my set. Try it out at a show, drop it in. You know, what's what's the harm in one joke that you're not sure yet, but you have a pretty good idea on? Um, trying that out, but just going, you know, I, I try to hit up a lot of mics within the week as well, and just going out with a, a goal in mind I think is important of what do I want to get out of this mic like out of this mic I want to see 
if you know these three bits work or have any sort of legs to them and then listen back and then the next night be like well let's see uh i think you know one of these might actually have more potential than the others let me definitely try and tell that and see where that where that's going you know that's cool do you ever like switch up bits that you're working on uh at this like if you're going to the same mic or do you do the same bits at the same mic like week after week it depends depends probably like i try what's nice about you know in the new england area is i live like 20 minutes from boston like 30 minutes from providence and it isn't necessarily oversaturated if you kind of move around a little bit you know and connecticut's not too far either um but it's fun to go out and try that and see also is this going to work in front of you know not just my my core group of friends or whatever and also see your other friends in a in a different spot too but just to not not overdo it but sometimes sometimes i think you'll see some people work on the same exact bit, but you watch it change. And if people are really paying attention, it is really, it is funny. And it is fun to watch that whole process work out too with different people's material. Cause you're like, Oh, I remember where this joke started and now it's like a full, it's a full joke. It's an actual bit now. That's so true. So that evolution is really cool to watch. So you're kind of saying that, you know, it doesn't really matter if you do the same bit because it's people, other comedians get it. They get that. You, what, like we're all trying to do the same thing. So, cause I, I, yeah, I think I that's some, so. yeah. Cause some people might think that, you know, cause I heard perspectives that, you know, sometimes if you do the same bit over and over again, it just might not make you look good in front of the comics or something like that. But that might not have uh, a lot of merit. I don't know. I don't know where that would come from. Like, if you were doing... I mean, everyone's working, or I hope trying to work out stuff at a mic. And if you're doing the same bit, if it's a good bit and it's working out, sandwich it in between then with the stuff you're working on, too. If you need need that extra little padding to see, but also... I like to sometimes gauge it on what is the response going to be too. Like, is this going to be like, here's a joke I know works. And you know, four people laughed out of the five people who were there. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're like, okay, well, if I get three laughs then this joke's probably going to be a thing. That's true. So, Do you ever, you mentioned that you want to not be funny just necessarily only in front of your friend group, right? You want to be widely funny. And I think that makes sense for most comedians to want to do that, to be able to perform in front of any audience. Do you have some bits that you have to tailor to different demographics or have you reconstructed your bits to generally work in front of all types of audiences? Mm, That's that's a good question. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not like the dirtiest comic ever, but I, I'm not something that would be considered super squeaky clean necessarily. And I'll occasionally throw in something that is semi-political or whatever. And 
there are certain audiences, but I will just leave it out. I'll tell a different joke and something that's more palatable. Um, but I'm not somebody that'd be like, oh, yeah, we can just um, throw it. Like, I, I ended up <laughs> one year having to do a show. I was told it was for exchange students, and um, they were looking at colleges. So I thought, oh, cool, college kids. And it was actually high school and middle school kids from oh. different countries. <laughs> so it had to be super squeaky clean. But I was, I did not have the material at the time, especially um, where I was at, like three years in, whatever. I was not telling anything that was appropriate, I don't oh think. Oh, my God. How did that go? <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Um it was two shows back to back and I ended oh up basically God. just trying to talk to the chaperones. <laughs> like you directed all the jokes at the chaperones basically. Sort of. But I was like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the worst person ever right now, but what do you say to a 13 year old? I was trying to think back of like, uh, what did I think about? And then I was like, I was actually really inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend that has to do something like that soon and he's kind of like struggling to figure it out. He's like, do comedy in front of a bunch of like middle schoolers and high schoolers. And that's just so hard. That's a hard audience. Right. right. I wouldn't hire myself for that. Um, personally, <laughs> that wouldn't be the, the thing that would pop up in my mind, but I've done shows at like retirement homes and stuff, which is, uh, more relaxing in my opinion. Cause it's like, they were, you know, they were us too. Yeah, exactly. So they're probably more uh, receptive to that. How, were they receptive to the raunchy stuff? Did you do raunchy stuff at the? Yeah, sometimes they have a. Sometimes they very much surprise you with what they're into, and sometimes I feel like they just can't hear. And I don't. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah. I don't do a whole ton of retirement show gigs, but I've I've done a done a handful and it was uh different for sure oh i can imagine so what's the what's the comedy scene like in new england how are the mics there how much time do you guys typically get because i'm out in seattle right now and before that i was in la for a bit uh and those they're very different from each other for sure oh yeah for sure but i mean la everyone's kind of there's, I mean, there's the actors that come in there then too, and the, you know, 25 million people who are signing up for the mic there. That's a different, that's a whole different ballpark. That sure. was brutal. I'm, like, yeah, you're performing <laughs> in front of no one. It's kind of like the New York performing in front of no one, except you have to like be stuck in traffic for an hour between each mic. So. Oh God. It's kind of yeah. like that. But and then Seattle. Seattle surprisingly has great stage time. Like the mics here are like shows. Uh, there's a mic at laughs tonight that they usually get like between 50 and 70 people. I'd say to just show up that are just audience members. And that's, it, it's that's like a awesome. show. It's a, it's crazy. Um, but, and I haven't seen anything like it. Not even not in New York too. New York's kind of like LA in terms of tiny shows with only comics for open mics, but how does uh like Boston and Rhode Island compare, and Connecticut? I mean, 
I think that's awesome that in Seattle there's, you know, anytime there's a mic that there's an audience there, I feel like the the pressure's on a little bit more with everyone to be like, I want to bring my A game, you know? Yeah, there's um, kind of that element. That's that's super cool. But, yeah, I mean, we have, we have a lot, a lot of different things that you can do out here. And it's, you know, in, in something like a Providence, there's less comedians just because it is a much smaller city. Yeah. But on a good night, you'll get like 25 people out to sometimes like 40 people out um, to a mic. And you generally get, you know, like five, six minutes of stage time, which is pretty good in comparison. That's pretty good. To, yeah. Especially to like a New York or something where it's like, here's three minutes and you got to pay $5 and eat, you know, three slices of pizza and oh, yeah. or <laughs> whatever, like New York's whatever the rules are there. Mike's. <laughs> that's cool though five five six minutes is like ample amount of stage time i'd say seattle's more like the three minutes of stage time for the most part there's some that could be more but it's around i'd say like three or four minutes on average yeah i think it depends on how many comics are signing up too because like in boston there's some really popular open mics and they get you know 50 plus people as wow. a usual thing yeah 50 plus you gotta share the stage Jesus. And they have everyone go up? Hmm? They'll have all 50 people go up? Yeah. They'll go They'll go until they can't go anymore. And that's wow. why it's like you got to stick to your time. You got to know what two, three minutes is. And it is, it is irritating if people go over that. But that's why it is nicer, too, to have a smaller city to drive to sometimes. So it's like, I'm, you know, I want to work out more time and especially when you first start getting on shows and someone goes hey uh you got 10 minutes and you're like i don't think i've ever done 10 minutes consecutively <laughs> um yeah it gives you more of an opportunity to figure that out that's really important for sure That that's a cool thing about being in kind of what the i guess you're not in the tri-state area but you're among tri-states so that's cool that's that's awesome. Um, so, and you're when you go from Mike to I guess I'm gonna go back to the material editing process kind of stuff. When you go from open mic to show, in terms of like you bring it, you elevate a bit from the mic to the show. Um, will you? How do you how do you mix the your good material and your new material? Like, what's the ratio? Uh, it just depends on how confident I am in the bit or excited about it. Maybe not confident isn't the right word for it because <laughs> I just, I get very excited when I'm like, I I know that this is going to be a thing. And it does, it does still change, but I think it just depends because I'll try and sneak in a couple new things and sometimes just a, a quick tag or something like that and I'll try and just do like one new like two to three minute bit within something but if it's not it's not getting the laughs like they're not they didn't come out to hear something that was like ah eh, I don't know so uh, 
I'll try and I'll try and mix it in once I feel like it's getting pretty much the amount of laughs that I want from the mic. And especially, you know, I have one open mic that I'll go to. It's kind of like my last stop before adding something to a show because that's the one that does have the most audience. So instead of having it be all comics, because you know how sometimes there's that joke that you know works, and it's but it's only an open mic joke. Like you could never say it in front of an audience. Oh yeah, you need that filter of like normal humans to listen to it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I I, I feel that. I I definitely see that a lot. Where sometimes you'll have com- comedians that fall into a rut of only doing open mics, and then. They're, they've done so many open mics, but they're like almost incapable of doing a show. That's like the extreme, where their their humor is just for comedians. It's just the experience of a comedian telling other comedians. And then it becomes only relatable to comedians. And then I, I hear that like you know a lot of people will pick up these bad habits from only doing mics. Yeah. Yeah, I like the, the human filter, right. We, we need that. We definitely need that. That's why, yeah, anytime it brings out more of an audience. But also, I mean, everyone's working on their stuff. Sometimes there's more mics than others. That uh, There'll be a lot more people who are just kind of in their notebook. And who knows? I mean, everyone has their own we're kind of a socially awkward breed of human anyways as comedians oh, yeah. sometimes. Really awkward. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> so when you... Uh... When you submit, you've submitted tapes to festivals. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, you got into the uh, HBO festival. Did you submit or did you audition in person? I submitted video to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ha- have you submitted a lot of videos to festivals in the past? I've submitted probably in over the past couple of years to maybe eight to ten festivals um and you know it's that like five to seven minute video most of the time that they're looking for and just to get a good idea they probably only watch like the first two minutes i can't imagine i can't imagine putting a festival together or even a club and having to watch through everybody's video but that's so true yeah do you have any sorry I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, sets on a festival tend to be a little bit shorter unless you're closing out the show or something anyways. So they do tend to be within like a five to eight minute span of time in my experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any tips for editing or putting together that that perfect tape, quote unquote, for festivals? Uh if I find the perfect tape, I'll let you know. But <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, I would say just the the general rules and guidelines of that are like, don't edit it. Like you can't do a best of sort of reel. Um, I also have made the mistake of entering a uh, a roast that I did. So it was just like, hey, here's me being the worst person on the planet. So do do your stand up. Don't submit a roast tape. Um, that, that's good and, advice yeah just you know and that's why if you bring out if you bring out 
a video camera, use your phone, whatever you're using to record. If you do that at every show, then it doesn't become this big deal of, well, I'm recording, so this show has to be perfect. Because um, you're losing sight then of what you're doing anyways at that show. Is like, let's have a good time. Let's make sure the audience has a good time. And then it's always that night that you're like, oh, well, I didn't record, but that would have been perfect. So if you just get in the habit of that, you'll come across a tape that, you know, is a nice, easy, you don't have to edit it. And even if you are doing a longer set, you just, you cut it off at whatever time they need you to cut it off at and send that in. If it's something that you are very confident in and, you know, each festival is looking for a different thing, but it never hurts to have that video then ready to go if you're really trying to get work and do festivals and, hit the road, do whatever whatever the next step in your comedy career is. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of recording everything so that way when you do record, it's not a lot of pressure. Uh, but that, that could be, that's a lot of gigabytes. It's a lot of space to record video. Do you do anything special about recording video or do you just upload it and delete it from your phone or do you use like a GoPro or something? I I will watch it. Um, if it's a good video, then I will, I will then upload it and be like, all right, well, maybe, maybe this is it. And, uh, I, another side note on that is also the audio quality because some phones are definitely made better than others. I invested in a, um, in an external mic, which I think helps me hear the audience better. Cause like, you know, we're up on stage, we have a microphone in our hand that's very smart we're amplified yeah so you have a mic that you what kind of mic is it i really couldn't even tell you the model of it it was something i just picked up at best buy it was like 50 bucks it actually was supposed to go to a normal digital camera and plugs into my headphone jack but it has like a nice little wind sensor and like an outdoor thing if I need, and it it definitely does the trick in that sort of environment so that the audience is slightly mic'd up on it too and you can hear it better because there's nothing, there's nothing more awkward than listening back and you're like, really? I, I thought I was maybe getting more laughs on that or um, I've, I've done you know, a show where the sound just kind of disappears because there'll be really tall ceilings and stuff and you're like these people are smiling really hard but they're not laughing well you can hear it you can hear it so much better in the response and be able to just figure it out that way of like here's the tape i want to submit or here's the tape i wish never existed and here's how i'm going to learn from it you know that's so smart where do you put the mic in the room uh i try to just put it in the back off to the side like I said, I you know I do basements and attics everywhere, so sometimes the space is a little bit awkward, um, and you can't use a table, so you try to just use the back of the room as much as possible. And it is it is kind of hard um, sometimes, you know, for if there's wait staff walking by or whatever, and I have just you know some tripod that extends up if needed. 
it's usually easier to just put it on like a bar counter or something too or you know if the back of the club has um that one chair that they aren't using <laughs> like yeah that's smart i like that so do you have anything going on that uh with you that you want to plug or talk about it before we close up um yeah i mean I'm, what am i doing so when is this when are you putting this out this will probably go out next week which is the third week of may i think next week's the third week third week may i'll probably put it out around that yeah like 17th 18th 9th one of those days okay yeah no i'll plug uh plug a couple of shows i don't know um because the, the 18th i'm doing a, a fundraiser but the 19th i am actually at the back at dick doherty's where i did that show um ran into bill burr it's actually at their new location under Howl at the Moon, and then that's uh, 7.30 and 9 o'clock, I'll be rushing over to Attleboro for Shanghai comedy because uh, I'm insane. <laughs> and <laughs> then uh, the 26th of May, uh, going to the House of Bacon in Lewiston, Maine. Very cool. Well, keep an eye out for Sarah Martin. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the call with me. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, Bros, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.